Welcome to a new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I am Goshen News Sports reporter Austin Huff. And with me today in the studio is maybe the most special guest co-host we've ever had in the history of this podcast. Uh, You've probably seen him on WNDU, heard his voice on WHME, or seen him on WHME as well with the Game of the Week. Uh, the man is an Indiana sports writers and sportscasters Hall of Famer 2019 inductee. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Chuck Freebie is in the studio today. Chuck. If I'm the best guest on this podcast, you really need to raise the level of this podcast. Well, I, I'm going to go cast co-host. I mean, we've had two Hall of Famers in a row now. Steve Craw last week and you this week. We had Jim Hahn on back in March. Uh, Jim's a great guy. Yeah. Jim, you know, he talked about Sean Kemp a lot. Sean was a great kid. <laughs> is that your Jim Hahn impression? That I didn't is know you my, had a Jim Hahn impression. Oh, yeah. Well, wow. I covered Jim. So. I know. You You were around during the glory days of Concord. You're a 1982 Elkhart Central grad, so you were around you know, in the area even back then, and obviously worked at WNDU, I believe, at the time when Kemp was, was there. Right. I uh, I started out calling Sean Kemp's games with Vince Turner on WTRC. Wow. And then uh, his Kemp senior year, I had just started at WNDU. That's pretty cool. So you got to see Concord 88 and 90, both, you know, you were, were, you, were you there at the Hoosier Dome? That's the question. Oh, yeah. 99. I, I was there for, for the... Damon Bailey coronation, <laughs> uh, which Concord people will still tell you that that's a charge on Damon and yes. not a blocking call. <laughs> and uh, they they probably have a point there. Yeah. And, of course, Chandler Thompson just going nuts for Muncie Central against Kemp in the state finals as well. So I was there for both of those, and mm-hmm. I re- vividly remember the 1990 Warsaw-Concord game. Yes. I believe Warsaw came in number one. Mm-hmm. And I did my stand-up that night in McEwen Gym, and I still have no idea what I said in the stand-up because I could not hear myself. Yeah, different time for sure. And uh, you could—that was a huge game. And Concord won by I think thirty-one. Yeah, they blew night. them out that night. And that was probably that—that that was that year's moment of like, okay, this team is not just good; they're really, really good. And you know, it was great talking to Jim about that nineteen ninety team and. Uh, we're living some of those memories, and uh, but yeah, we're glad you have you here, Chuck. Really appreciate the time. I uh, you know, I know you you have a big hourly rate, so we're gonna try to keep it under an hour. You know, <laughs> we got we can't pay for the full hour, so you know that's quite all right. I've got, <laughs> I've got a diet coke. I'm ready to go. There we go. Well, Chuck, let's start with some football from this past week. Uh, you with 46 Sports, the game of the week was Mishawaka at Northwood. Uh, Northwood held a halftime lead. But that Mishawaka triple option, wishbone, running offense, whatever you want to call it, really took over in the second half, looked like. There were two factors in that game. Number one, the fact that Northwood was playing with its third-string quarterback. Right. Nate Newcomer has suffered a, a horrible knee injury. I really wonder if he'll be able to play any sport wow. again with the knee injury that he has. And then I was there at practice Wednesday observing when Caden Lone was pulled off the field for contact tracing. So that left Kyle Sellers as the best option that Nate Andrews had, and he was a really good option. I thought Mm -hmm. Kyle Sellers played remarkably well, considering it was his first game at quarterback for Northwood. But eventually, that big offensive line of Mishawaka was able to impose itself. And yes, there was a critical officiating call that went (laughs) against Northwood in that game, a, a pass interference call. Called on Northwood, and I think if you go back and watch our replay, we point out 
The tight end, Colin Hayes from Mishawaka, initiates the contact on that play, but that's not the way it was called. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to overcome those moments. Nate Andrews would be the first to tell you that. Right. His team did not. They also dropped a sure touchdown pass in the end zone. And it winds up that Mishawaka winds up wearing down this Northwood team and winning by a count of 30-16. to 16. I still think, even though Mishawaka is only 3-3, three and three, they're the favorite in their sectional in Class 5A. And I would not discount Northwood's chances with a full week to prepare Kyle Sellers at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Dave Wilson does a marvelous job defending the option, I think they can give Warsaw fits on Friday night. Right. That's going to be an interesting game, Northwood-Warsaw, because on paper it's you know two programs. Northwood has been historically pretty strong over the years. Warsaw is playing really well right now. They're 6-1. and one. How they haven't received a vote in the 6A polls, I mean – you know who have they people say who have they played but like they're but, they're rolling people right now yeah you know? but if you look at 6a right and 6A you look is, at the teams that are in the top 10 in 6a right legitimately without without taking northern indiana bias out of it right can you say i would favor warsaw against any of those teams Pro- i don't think not. you can probably not it's going to be interesting you know that sectional because I think Warsaw and I believe Elkhart are going to be in that same sectional. Are they not? They're not in the same sectional. But they could meet up in a regional, which would be... Actually, they wouldn't meet until really? the semi-state. Wow, that's how War- it's fallen this year? Yeah, Warsaw is in a is in a very winnable sectional. Yeah. Uh, they are in a sectional with Homestead. And if you look at the Sagarin ratings, there's about a 25-point difference between Warsaw and Homestead. Warsaw is far and away the favorite in that sectional mm-hmm. based on Sagarin's. Right. Elkhart's in the sectional with Penn, Chesterton, and Portage, a very tough sectional. Mm-hmm. Winnable sectional, obviously, but Elkhart only beat Penn by one during the regular season, and it right. came down to a two-point conversion. So I don't think you can necessarily crown the Lions as right. – you know this commanding sectional favorite by any means and Chesterton has a very good passing game uh, that's going to give a lot of teams fits as well right yeah it's going to be interesting to kind of follow those teams as they go along you know uh, 6A not necessarily my expertise level uh, as you can tell by me trying to figure out what the <laughs> sectional pairings were um, you know I'm more focused on 5A 4A kind of things like that and even 2A with Fairfield right now being 6 and 0 which is really impressive but uh, there's the team that maybe you yeah. can lobby and say okay mm-hmm. well why aren't they getting votes but again I don't think statewide the Northeast Corner Conference gets a ton of respect yeah. And this year, you can kind of understand why. If you look at that division, (laughs) it's not really a very salty division. No, no. And, you know, kudos to Fairfield for still, you know, running up on people. I mean, they they looked impressive. They threw the ball on Friday. They threw three touchdown passes. So, you know, they're showing that they can do it in more ways than one than just a triple option running attack uh, that Matt Thacker has them doing down there. But you're right. Their their competition hasn't been – overly impressive to say the least and they play Lakeland this week so again not a game that you know it shouldn't be too hard for Fairfield I mean, so much admiration though for the job that Matt Thacker has done at yeah. Fairfield when he goes in and takes his lumps the first year and <laughs> plays lumps. <laughs> and plays a bunch of sophomores mm-hmm. and gets blown out by Angola 70 to nothing and has very few seniors come out because they had their their guy was Bob Miller, and Bob Miller was not retained. Mm-hmm. When Bob Miller was not retained, those seniors didn't want to come out and play. So Mac Thacker says, okay, I'm going to play a bunch of sophomores. Well, he's reaping the dividends of that now. 
Mm-hmm. You've got a three-year quarterback in Corey Lance. Yep. You mentioned the fact that he threw the three touchdown passes the other day. The fact that he has the savvy to do that shows what learning that position can do for you. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, after this year, however far Fairfield goes in the tournament, after this year, is there enough development in the lower classes to keep that going for Fairfield? Because right. that's what Matt wants. Matt mm-hmm. wants a program. He doesn't right. want every two years we might have somebody good. <laughs> right, and you got to hope that they do have that program, that infrastructure built up. And, you know, Fairfield's one of those programs that's been good in the past. They've had some remarkable seasons. So this is, you know, but they haven't been – you know, they haven't won the big the NECC big in five years, so this right. is a, this is a potentially huge weekend for them. If they beat Lakeland, they will be the outright division champs for the first time in five six years. So, you know that's that's a huge moment for them. And you know their sectional features East Side, who just took Concord to the limit. You know, and East Side looking really good, even a even in an overtime loss to Concord. That's a program almost defining moment in, in a sense for east side it, so. it would have been huge for east side if they could have won that game right. that would have been yeah. a, a program defining they, moment. they were for up them. 14-0 i mean in that game and concord had a rally late so well concord has the ability to do that because right. they're they are an anathema to everybody else <laughs> around here they throw the ball so well and mm-hmm. they basically run that kind of spread offense and they've done it for years so they're very good at it Mm-hmm. And uh, I give credit to Eastside for holding them scoreless as long as they did. Right. But eventually, Jack Darcy got going. Hunter Dutton got going. That connection <laughs> was really clicking towards mm-hmm. the end of the game. They wind up getting the game tying pass and the game winning pass in overtime. Concord is 4-2, and two, but two of those wins in overtime against teams at least two classes below them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Craig Kaler's sitting there thinking, we could really be two and four right now, and then the Wolves would be howling. Yeah. As it is, because of that spread offense they run, it's an interesting matchup this Friday night when they go to Northridge right. against that ground-and-pound Northridge team that just mm-hmm. likes to get physical and keep you between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Concord doesn't give you that option offensively, and defensively, Concord has the physical bodies, at least in the front seven, to line up and stand toe-to-toe with them. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong, Concord and Northridge is your game of the week this week? Yes, it is. So, you've obviously been watching some tape on Northridge and watching them play, and I mean, their defense, like you were talking about, unbelievable. The fact that Gosha got 17 points on them almost should be like a victory, in and in a, in a moral victory almost in a sense for the Red Hawks. And that game was 14-14 at the half, and it was competitive, and... Uh, but, man, that Northridge defense, I've seen him play twice this year against Wallasey and Northwood, two shutouts, and, man, they they fly to the ball. They're really impressive. And, and I'm going to the practices today to watch the teams, and one of the things I'll be curious to talk, talk to Tom Wogeman about is does playing Goshen last week with their kind of passing attack right. help prepare you for what Concord does? Because, again, I think one of the reasons the Red Hawks had success against Northridge is the fact that they're different than most of the teams in the NLC. They chuck it around pretty well, mm-hmm. and they've got a quarterback that can do it. Right. It should be a very interesting game because that's, you know, right now we look at the NLC standings, Warsaw's top undefeated, Northridge with the one loss to Warsaw. So they're still kind of in the race, but they need Warsaw to lose one of their last two weeks, and Warsaw's playing Northwood this week, and uh, I forgot who they're Concord playing. Concord. Concord at the end yeah. of the season, right. So – you know, the NLC is still kind of up in the air, but really your teams are probably preparing now for 
October, late October, making the sectional run and or trying to get ready in 100% for sectionals at this point. The only people who remember who wins a conference <laughs> are the teams that win it and the players on that team. Right. But the fans don't care. Right. The fans care about the draw on Thursday night yeah. and how it's all going to match up. And if you win a sectional championship, you achieve uh, a sense of immortality, whether that's basketball or football <laughs> in Indiana. You right. get that picture that goes up on the wall, mm-hmm. and you're remembered for a long, long time. Yeah, thanks for reminding me, by the way, that that draw is on Thursday at 6. Yes. Right in the middle, I'll be covering soccer somewhere, sectional semifinal. Have your phone with you in the IHSA <laughs> TV app. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll probably be in, like, you know, West at Westview or, like, Elkhart Christian with no cell signal and not be able to watch. So, I don't know. It's just another thing to think about this week is that's coming out. That's so weird it's coming out on a Thursday. I haven't heard a good explanation why. I don't know either unless they just felt like they were going to run into the Colts somehow. But the Colts only play a three-hour game. Either hold right. it at noon if it's a, it's a 4 o'clock game this week. Hold it at noon or 1 o'clock on yeah. Sunday. But the IHSA, I'm sure, has thought this through for yeah. some reason. I'd like to think they have thought it through, and there's a reason behind it. You know, Maybe they want to get done before Bears lose on Thursday Night Football against uh, the Buccaneers. Yeah, week, there's so. your, that's your lead-in right that's, there. You get your IHSA <laughs> pairing show and then Bears-Bucks on right. Thursday. I mean, I'm sure the pairing show will be much more exciting than watching anything the Bears offense Oof. does. So, I mean, I'm just saying. So, uh, one other game that's coming up this week uh, that is kind of interesting is Goshen. They're hosting Lafayette Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plymouth had their games last week and this week canceled because Coach John Barron tested positive, and we hope he's doing well and we wish him a speedy recovery, of course. Um, but Lafayette Harrison comes in. They're ranked 11th in the 5A poll. They're like the top receiving votes team. Uh, should be an interesting game. You don't get to see many teams – they're not from the region, which I mistakenly no. called it on Twitter. Yeah, Lafayette knew, is not the region. And I knew that about 10 seconds after I tweeted it. But I, <laughs> I, I was talking with Larry Kissinger last week, and he was saying we he was talking to region teams about coming in. Sure. So when he tweeted that, my brain just thought, oh, from the region. And then, no, it's definitely not the region. So it's kind of its own little world down there, Lafayette. And so... Yeah, Lafayette has had some good teams. Of course, West Lafayette having a terrific year in Class 3A. Mm -hmm. And Lafayette Harrison in 5A, very strong team. This will be a challenge for Kyle Park and the Red Hawks. They face a a little bit of a mirror image in the fact that I think Harrison likes to throw the ball around a little Mm -hmm. bit. But that said, it's good to get a test, I think, from outside where, okay, we don't know this team really well. We've got to work on our scouting here. This is a good warm-up for what you might face as you go down the road in the tournament. Now, of course, Goshen, I think at this point, would be thrilled if they just won a tournament game. But that's <laughs> right. possible. Right. That's possible right. if they line up and, and play against a team like Adams. <laughs> I, I think it's very possible. The draw right. gives them Concord or Mishawaka. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a whole other animal. But, yeah, it will be interesting. And that's the, the beauty of the blind draw, I guess. I mean, I, I, I've I, heard both sides uh, <laughs> in a four team draw. I don't think it really makes all that much difference. It, it shouldn't too much, but yeah, it, it will be a fun little game for Goshen on Friday. And, you know, Plymouth was having kind of a down year. They had beaten Wallacee before they were setting to shut down, but Plymouth definitely wasn't what they were last year. So no. it was a potentially winnable game for Goshen and Wallacee to end the season, also a winnable game for Goshen. So you kind of lose that winnable 
factor, but in Lafayette Harrison will be a, definitely a tougher challenge. Um, but yeah, well, who knows? I, I mean, that goes back to something Nate Andrews pointed out to us last week. Mm-hmm. The two games that they've lost off their schedule, Northwood sits there at two and three right now. Well, they didn't get a chance to play Jimtown. They didn't get a chance to play Goshen. Right. And those are two games that Northwood, quite frankly, feels pretty confident <laughs> about. So instead of being two and three, they'd be four and three heading into this one. And, and right. just a different psychology right. to the whole situation. Right. And it's not like they have, you know, really played bad in any of their games either. They no. they were in it with Mishawaka. They were in it when they lost by one to East Noble, you know, in the first week. And if Newcomer doesn't go out in that game, they probably win it, honestly. Oh, so, of course. And uh, their third loss was to Northridge, 7 nothing. So, right, and they were know, in that game all the way right, as well. Right, right, right. They're, you know, they get a chase down tackle from Northridge. I mean, Newcomer was gone. Luckily, he was going to score. Northridge makes a great defensive play, holds him for, you know, no more yards after that, and... That's the game. So, you know, it's just, just the, almost in a way it's like been a fluky type of season for Northwood where injuries have gotten in the way and they lose two games on their schedule. And, yeah, they're two and three, but they're a pretty darn good two and three, like all things considered. like you I know. don't think anybody's signing up in the 4A sectional to no. say, okay, well, we'd <laughs> like to have Northwood in the first round. That'll right. be an easy walkover. <laughs> right. That sectional is really tough this year with Northridge, Northwood, East Noble, Columbia Leo. City, Leo. Like there are some really good teams in that sectional. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting ride to say the least. So. Uh, any other football nuggets you want to throw out there, Chuck? Anything catch your eye? Oh, well, this week, Mishawaka, Marion, and Elkhart. That's a huge game. That is a huge game. We were talking about that in the office a little bit today. Of course, Elkhart has all these weapons, but so does Marion. Mm-hmm. So now it comes down to, the, again, the size factor and, and the defensive ability. And I, I think the fact that Elkhart has lined up against teams like Columbus East and like Mishawaka already, not that... Marion hasn't played good teams. They've beaten Mishawaka. They've beaten Penn. Right. Uh, that's a tremendous year at Marion right there. Challenge to go over to Rice Field, though, and deal with the speed of this Elkhart team. And conversely, Elkhart has to deal with the speed on the perimeter of Marion. So this should be a very fun game to watch. I just think it comes down, as most football games do, to the line of scrimmage. And I would favor the Lions there only because of their overall size and depth. Yeah, that's probably the game of the week or one of the games of the week. The, ge- the game of the week is, of course, Concord and Northridge. Because it's on the 46th game of the <laughs> right. week, thus. Right, thus, by default, by the transitive property, it is the game of the week. Yes. So, uh, but Marion and Elkhart will definitely be a score I think a lot of us will be keeping our eyes on on Friday night. Absolutely. As we also try to watch the game we're at, which, you know, is a lot Where are you of fun. at this Friday? I will be at Goshen. Okay, and uh, so we are asking you politely to keep a space open for Steve Craw, Hall of Famer at Northridge. I mean, Steve can sit right next to Mike Ganger. It's fine. <laughs> oh, come on! You can't. You don't want to treat Steve like that. <laughs> no, come we'll on. we'll keep him down at our end. That's fine. <laughs> Man, Chuck, we were doing so well there. We were doing so well. I really thought we were gelling. This There's a- always room in a press box. I'm in for Steve Craw. Thank He's you. a terrific guy. I appreciate that. So. Uh, I want to shift gears just slightly a little bit. This past weekend, I went down to Carmel uh, for the Indiana High School Girls Golf State Finals. And, uh, you know, Chuck, obviously, not to call you old, but you've been around a while um, and longer than I have. Before in the they area. started playing Girls Golf yeah, State Finals. They, yes, yes, yes. You are older than the Girls Golf State Finals. Not to just, you know, throw numbers out there. But um, I, I don't, you know, in my couple years here, obviously, and doing research, I don't, you know, it was the first time we ever had two Northern Lakes Conference teams go down, right. Northwood and Concord. Um, 
just in general from the area, you don't really see two teams go down, you know. So it's pretty rare to see what we saw this past weekend down there. Yeah, Penn has traditionally been a team that mm-hmm. will go down and, and compete down there. And then Adam Yoder's done a nice job building up the girls' golf program at Northwood. Concord, you know, benefited from a move in this year. That helped. <laughs> yeah. That helped the depth quite a bit. And typically most girls' golf teams, okay, they might have one really good player, and that can carry you so far. And even two can carry you so far. Both Northwood and Concord had the benefit of really quality depth. Right. And quite frankly, they both went about four deep. Mm-hmm. And now obviously you get a team like Evansville North <laughs> who goes five deep. Right. And and that's a difference maker right, right. there. Uh, but to go four deep and to have four solid players helps punch a ticket down there. And mm-hmm. obviously both of them were able to beat out a pen team that has been a perennial power, so that shows the caliber of golf that was being played by both those teams. Right. And I believe you were at the regular season match between Northwood I and was. Concord this year. I was. And, um, and that was a great match, a historic match, because right. Concord was able to snap Northwood's NLC win streak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously Adam Yoder has some experience in state tournaments, <laughs> whether it's basketball or golf. Right. And I think that benefits – his team, although I always tell him uh, that his team does the best job I've seen of overcoming coaching and moving <laughs> forward. He's uh, he's gone to three straight state finals of teams that he's coached. Right. So that's pretty impressive. He's had a heck of a year. I asked him kind of about that going into state, and he was like, well, really, it's Riley Kitson who's doing all the, the work. <laughs> she she was on the basketball team and both girls' golf teams went down and for both all three state appearances and things like that. So he's giving credit, of course, to the players, never takes credit for himself. I mean, he he is one of the best coaches in the area, regardless of sport. Sure he is. Built, built up Northwood girls' golf from – essentially nothing and built it into what it is today i mean and obviously led girls basketball to a state championship and i know he stepped away from that for the time being you know to focus on family and things like that so uh but yeah it was a lot of fun being down there in carmel that that golf course man i'm not good at golf but i want to play you know like when i'm at a good golf course i'm like oh this looks kind of fun and then it, i like hit like my any first... golf course looks kind of fun until you get the club in your hand right. and you're standing on the tee right then i hit that first tee shot into the uh the, the lake and it's like well you know i'll just watch it again <laughs> i'm much better at watching and talking about sports than actually playing them i have realized that I would suggest a course with a clown's mouth for you. I really would. <laughs> well, then I'm going to have to attack the clown if it keeps on spitting the golf ball back out at me. Which so. is always the best idea. Right, of course. So, uh, But, you know, again, congrats to Northwood, Concord. Uh, just really fantastic seasons and making it kind of fun to follow girls golf this year. And, you know, Concord kind of beat Northwood every step of the way. They beat them at their own invite, the Northwood invite, beat them in the conference head-to-head and at the tournament, and then – Northwood kind of gets the last laugh in the tournament. They beat him at the sectional. They beat or the regional. They beat him at the state by six shots at state. So, just, it was just kind of poetic in a weird way that like on Saturday, Northwood finished. They were in the clubhouse, right? And Concord was still ahead of them, kind of, but they were trying to hold on. So of course it was coming out of Concord and Northwood sure. for positioning. You know, it's been like that all year up here. So it was kind of poetic in a weird way. You know that it was like, oh, here we go, Northwood and Concord at it again, like separated by six shots like like they have been all season so it was pretty cool to see um had a really good time and shout out to Sybil Stilson uh Brie Goss and Madison Kyle from Lakeland earning all state honors as well absolutely uh really cool stuff there so uh and 
this week, this week, Chuck is a uh, fun week to say the least. Well, you saw um, quite the soccer game last night. Oh my night. gosh, Northridge and Penn. Uh, for my money, should have been the sectional final. I know Elkhart's very good. No disrespect, no disrespect to the Lions. They they did really well against Goshen, uh, but that was one of the more fun soccer matches I've watched last night. Northridge and Penn. Uh, we'll call it a, a questionable call on a foul. Well, contra- controversial would be the controversial. proper. Controversial. I mean, even Northridge admitted that they maybe it wasn't a foul after the game and, and kudos to Michael Whelan for like acknowledging that the sophomore from Raiders he's like I didn't think they were going to call it to be honest it was kind of a bang bang play it looked like it might have been a foul may not have been a foul it gets called the Penn coaches were not happy I was standing like five feet from that sure they were well six feet we were social distancing of course of course masks and everything um but uh and Michael Whelan, man, sophomore, ice in his veins, man. Drills a PK shot because the, the foul happened in the goal box. Northridge wins. They're 15-1-1 on the season. Their one loss is to Plymouth, who is also very good. Yes. They could meet them in the regional, potentially, if both teams get out of their sectionals, of course. That's a big if with Northridge playing Elkhart on Wednesday night. Um, but, yeah, it was a uh, it was a very fun game. And uh, this is a Northridge team that if they get going – I mean, they could make a run well beyond regional, potentially to a state championship game. Well, if you get through that sectional, right. you've already beaten at least two top 15 right. teams. Right, because Penn was 14th, Elkhart's 10th, they're 5th, Northridge's 5th. Right. Like, it's just insane. <laughs> so, so whoever emerges from that sectional, by the time they go down further in the tournament, is going to mm-hmm. feel pretty good about themselves. Right. They've already come through the meat grinder. Right. So, in, potentially, you know, if they win the sectional, then they'll get a chance to play Plymouth again, who's ranked seventh in the final polls, and mm-hmm. Chesterton's in that regional, and they're ranked third. I mean, it's really murderer's row, you know. It, in a weird way, you know, the way the sectional bracket worked this year uh, is, you know, all the ranked teams were up top, so they're all playing each other right now. The right. bottom half is Warsaw and Concord, who are both kind of having down years. So, you know, in a sense, I mean, on paper – on paper, Northridge Elkhart is the sectional champ, basically the sectional championship game in theory. In and, theory, I, and anyone yeah. can win any day. I'm not discrediting Concord right. and Warsaw, obviously, but purely by records and past results of the season and things like that. Like, you know, Northridge, whoever wins Northridge Elkhart should win the sectional championship Absolutely. on Saturday. So, you know, uh, it's always fun. That's why you play the games. You know, and then who do you go see for girls soccer tonight? Who do I go see? I am going out to Goshen and Northridge over at Elkhart Memorial. So, okay. Well, the Elkhart West. Elkhart campus. West, please. The old Elkhart Memorial. The old Elkhart Memorial. I had to make sure to note that on my... California Road campus of Cal- Elkhart High School. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so Northridge girls are having a good season. Uh, they finished second in the NLC. Goshen girls are up and down at times this year. Sure. So it should be an interesting matchup. It's two pretty decent teams. Um, I think they played a close game in the regular season. I have to double-check the final score from that. I didn't do all the research I wanted to do. Nobody holds you to it. It's okay. I, except Chuck, of course, and, and Sheila, our producer. She holds me accountable for everything. Well, Sheila needs to because yeah. I'm not here all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, it should be good. should be an interesting game. Um, we'll have uh, Steve Crow over at Elkhart Christian for the two games there. Uh, Westview's playing in the first one. Bethany Christian playing in the nightcap. So, Bethany Christian having a nice season. Westview girls soccer, also nice season. Undefeated in the NECC conference champs. Um, so I would think 
Westview would be the favorite there. Probably. But, but Bethany Christian's still good. They, yes. They're, they're, they have struggled a little bit as of late. Um, Hank Willems is leading them this year. It's the first year he's led the girls program. They had to, uh, the girls coach, O.L. Gonzalez, he left. He's taken a job in Virginia with his okay. wife. So Hank slid over to the girls team. They hired Tony Jansen to coach the boys team. Um, so they had a kind of a change in leadership right before this, like literally three weeks before the season started. It was like, so who's running their summer camps right now? Like, right. We don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so should be interesting. Uh, Westview is probably the favorite in the boys sectional as well. They beat Eastside 10 nothing last night. Whew. Nope. Yeah. West, <laughs> Westview traditionally, yeah. because they don't play football, they can right. heap all those athletes into soccer, mm-hmm. and they traditionally have had a pretty strong soccer program. Yeah. And, and Bethany boys are a little down this year, not what they have been the last couple of years when they've won sectional championships, contended for regionals against Argus uh, and those types of schools. So uh, it's going to be interesting to follow them this, week's, this week. Um, you know, sectional week in soccer is always crazy just because it's every day. And then you think you're off on Friday. Well, we got football. And then right. Saturday is all the championships, cross-country sectionals in the morning. Oh, and by the way, Notre Dame plays Saturday night. You know, somebody so. <laughs> somebody has mentioned that to me. Yes. yes, they are as of now. Now, we recorded a podcast two weeks ago, and I joked that they will – news always changes for Notre Dame right after we record. And sure enough, the game against Wake Forest got postponed literally 45 minutes after we got done recording. I never feel comfortable up. about a high school football game until I see the ball under the tee Friday night, quite frankly, right now. And even right at that now. point, even until it gets kicked, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not you know, convinced. And even some games that I've been to this year, they've kicked off and haven't finished. Concord lost True. the lights at Wallace yeah. <laughs> see. Exactly. So even then, I've lost a game in the middle of a game. So, you know. Um, so, yeah, Notre Dame – Comes back against Florida State. Um, I know you and I both watched Brian Kelly's press conference from Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't stop but laugh when he said Florida State will be a competitive opponent. Um, that was a little... It's always one of those <laughs> things. What what do you expect a coach right, to say? Right. Especially say, in, a, yeah. in a nationally streamed press conference. Right. He's not going to say anything negative <laughs> about the competition. Now, why he had the impulse to tell us that they have six to seven first-day draft picks mm-hmm. on defense. Uh, my recollection of the first day of the NFL draft is that's only round one. Right. And I don't think they have six to seven first-rounders. Now, if they did, give them the benefit of the doubt that even if he means day two, mm-hmm. I still don't know that that's the case. Not, not yeah. for that defense. Right. It's interesting, though. A lot of people talk about, well, Florida State has recruited this great talent and they just haven't coached them up. Well, one of, one of two things is true. Either that's the accurate statement or everybody overestimated the talent that they were getting. Right. I tend to think it's the former. I tend to think that they got good players, and because of the upheaval around the program, they haven't really been developed all that well. Mm-hmm. Mike Norvell's got his hands full. Of course, he didn't help himself with a lot of the comments that he made early on with regarding social justice and Mm -hmm. maybe not taking the temperature of his team before he said something publicly. That seems to have been ironed out, but they still have a ways to go in adjusting to his system and learning it. And I know that the spread on this game is 21 points, and that's about where I see it falling out, Mm -hmm. only because the Irish have been off for two weeks, and I expect them to look a little rusty coming out of the gate. Right. And I thought uh, Pete Sampson asked a good question about that to Kelly yesterday about, you know, 
does this feel like a season opener almost? Because you've had two weeks off and you haven't right. been able to do anything. You didn't, weren't able to do anything for a week plus. You know, everyone was in quarantine. Everyone, you know, keeping their distance and making sure everyone's healthy, testing and things like that. And Kelly didn't say it was like that. You know, it, it, in a weird way, it almost feels like a bull, probably like a bull prep. Absolutely. Week. Like it probably feels more like that. Uh, where you get two weeks off and like almost as if like they if Notre Dame had been bad and like got like that the potato bowl right like that first weekend mm-hmm. where they only get two weeks off like that's probably what it feels like now Notre Dame won't ever probably play the potato bowl but you never know well they played in the Hawaii Bowl on they, a Christmas Eve <laughs> one year so I, they did uh, it anything's possible but <laughs> I I do think that and the other thing is we have not been told what players have been out right what players have had covid what players have gone through quarantine right. we have no idea we, and we're not going to be told right we could uh, we could assume some given what they announced before the for south florida game certainly but they never said officially those guys were out because of covid and nor did you look at anybody in the group that was out before the south florida game and say well here's a huge difference maker how are they possibly going right. to win a football game right. without this person? I, I keep on waiting for them to release a depth chart without Ian Book on it. That <laughs> that would be the telltale sign right, right there. Right. I, I almost was like anticipating it this week, like buried on the, you know, like put it on the last page and instead of like the third or fourth page and, oh, Brendan Clark starting at quarterback. That would have been something, huh? <laughs> Honestly, I was surprised that we were given a depth chart. I was too. Well, when we weren't given one two weeks ago, that was a sign like, okay, maybe this is worse than it is or right you know so um but they notre dame as of now as of this recording at 2 203 p.m eastern on one tuesday uh october 6th they are playing they are playing uh they currently have 11 players off the board mm-hmm. i believe it's uh seven in isolation and four in quarantine right uh but that still leaves you with ample roster i mean virginia tech played last week with i think 24 players off the roster and had no problems beating duke so notre dame should roll in this game against florida state a little bit bigger test coming in the next week with louisville just because of the offense that the cardinals run Mm -hmm. but really here's a notre dame team that's not going to play a road game until october 24th crazy and even when they do go on the road they start with Pitt, which just lost at home last weekend. Now, Pitt will play him tough because that's right. a big game for Pitt. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's a big game for all these teams. Right. But honestly, everybody is just looking forward to November 7th. Right. And it's not just because the political ads will stop running. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that's really the biggest thing to stop, you know, know about. But, uh, yeah, November 7th, it, it the way the schedule has worked out for Notre Dame, you know, we all figured they would probably be – Six and zero or seven and zero, however the math worked out. Right, going into Clemson at home Saturday night, you know, prime time. Clemson should probably also be now. The Clemson's against Miami this week. That's that, an interesting game. Very interesting game. I still think Clemson will win. I, I got a feeling it's going to be like a like a seventeen point win probably for Clemson. Miami will give them all they can handle early. I think Lawrence Trevor Lawrence is just too good. He's going to take over eventually in that third quarter, and they're too good. They're too good, and they know that they're. They have a chance to, you know, make a run here. Well, everybody's in love with Miami's offense. But really, what defenses has Miami's offense gone up against? Right. They've gone up against Louisville and Florida State who don't play defense. Right. So, no wonder Miami's offense looks really good. 
Now they go up against this Clemson defense that has all Americans on it. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have to find a way to defend against Lawrence and Etienne. And that's a handful for any team. I just don't think Miami's up to it. I, I find it perplexing that North Carolina and Miami are both ranked in the top 10 when we're including the Big Ten teams in there. Mm-hmm. But that just shows you how far the Big 12 has fallen and that people may not be giving the Big Ten the votes that they would normally give them because they haven't played yet. My personal opinion is you shouldn't do a poll until midway through the season at best. I mean, the college football playoff poll is really going to be the only one that matters. Right. I mean, it is anyway, like once they start doing that. But especially this year when the Big Ten isn't playing till the end of October, Pac-12 isn't playing till the first weekend of November. So, I mean, how do we gauge Ohio State right now? We can't. You You can't. You can't. And, you know, no one in the Pac-12 was expected to be a playoff contender, but, like, how do you even, how do you gauge Oregon? Like, how do you rank those teams? How do you put – where do you put USC? And, you you know, I, I don't know if you see it, USC is going to be good or not this year, but you never know. They don't I, either. <laughs> and no one knows, really. So, uh, yeah, so, again, a lot of fluidity, but, again, it, Notre Dame, they got four or five games coming up here, very winnable. Very winnable game. Should should win them all. Louisville will give them fits, like you mentioned. But November 7th, can't come fast enough. So Yeah. So. Well, and, and to a certain extent, I'm sure the Irish feel that way too because mm-hmm. you have to try to keep your team at <laughs> a peak level and keep their focus right. because trap all of these four games, right. people use the term trap game. Well, to a certain extent, they all are. Right. Because... Everybody in the college football world is pointing to November 7th, but you've got a ways to go before you get there. And Notre Dame has some areas where they need to improve. They've got to become consistent in the running game. They have to get productivity out of their wide receivers. (laughs) There's some things that they need to do to become a better football team. Mm -hmm. All right, Chuck, I want to get you out on this. It's a two-part question. You should never ask two-part questions in journalism, but we're going to do it anyway. All right. Um, You have obviously seen a lot of teams. You've covered a lot of uh, big events from area, local high school teams in the the area. Uh, We've, you know, we read off your entire resume. Well, maybe not the entire resume earlier. Thank goodness you didn't. Most of the resume. Yeah, we would have been here for another three hours probably. You've you've done it all. Um, Best team you've seen, high school, we won't include Notre Dame because, you know, 1988 Notre Dame football, obviously very good, but... Best high school team you've seen any sport, hmm. favorite, and your favorite. It could be different answers. could be the same. Best team, favorite team. Best high school team I've seen in any sport. Wow. I, I'm obviously going to offend a lot of people with whatever <laughs> answer I put out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we'll make sure to clip just this part and tweet it so that way everyone yeah, hears because, it. Yeah, because that's what everybody wants is, <laughs> is something to offend themselves with. Yeah. I I hate to sound like the old man that says it was better back in the day. Uh, of the teams that I have covered, yes, I would have to say that 1988 Concord boys basketball team with Kemp and Much and a young Jamar Johnson, and a young Jeff Massey, that's about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was just what a wild ride that was. And coming on the heels, the 80s producing such high-level talent in this area, guys like Dave Schnell and Ernie Jones over in Elkhart, and then you've got Kemp and Johnson and that whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um 
And even Scott Skiles at Plymouth, correct? Scott Skiles at Plymouth in in the early part of the 80s. Mm -hmm. That's the best team that I covered. The best high school basketball team that I ever saw was the 1971 East Chicago-Washington team that beat Elkhart in the state finals Mm -hmm. in 71 at Hinkle Fieldhouse because all five of those players went on to play professional sports. Wow. (laughs) That's insane. That's crazy. Any is there any favorite team? Any any team that you think about that just has a lot of a lot of fun personalities? Oh, favorite fun? favorite teams to cover. Wow, uh, yeah, because Con- I mean, Concord didn't have a lot of big talkers mm-hmm. on that team. Uh, <laughs> the, the you know right which which great team was the best sound bites right. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, there were some Penn teams, some Penn football teams in the 90s that when you had the coach's kid, Matt Giesman, so he was loose. They had a kid named Joslyn Goodman, uh, who was a terrific player. They had some fun teams. Typically, though, I think you kind of get better sound bites from basketball. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, the South Bend Washington girls basketball team, when you had Skylar Diggins playing on that team i mean she's a walking sound bite right there <laughs> right and then marilyn coddens was the head coach followed by maurice scott those have been some fun teams uh bob Berger had a south Bend riley basketball team i don't know if you've met bob i have met wor- him working with angelo de carlo at in, redeemer in passing, radio yes uh but bob was the head coach at riley they had a guy named jamal sylvester who was a terrific big man and a guard by the name of andre owens who went to Oklahoma State eventually and then wound up being the coach at Riley for a year like everybody is. And um, so... You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Those were some fun teams to cover. That's awesome. Uh, Well, again, thank you, Chuck. Really appreciate you having having you on. Uh, It's been a blast kind of reminiscing a little bit down there on Memory Lane and uh, talking some current football and... Uh, correcting me on the sectionals for 6A and you know it's it's only because I happened to look the other day that I knew <laughs> I, but yeah Warsaw Warsaw goes the other way where they would play Westfield in the regional and Elkhart mm-hmm. Elkhart would face a team like say Merrillville in right. the regional just funny how that works out sometimes like that yep. so and we'll find out who plays who on Thursday so. that's the fun part of it oh yeah fun woo yeah feeling it so (laughs) so uh thanks again chuck for coming in really appreciate the time and uh this has been another fantastic edition of the goshen new sports podcast and uh we'll check in next week with y'all